Welcome to the New Abbey Podcast. We are a Jesus community telling the biggest story of God in Los Angeles. We're excited that you're joining the conversation with us today. Enjoy. We believe in just hearing what God's doing in one another's lives. And so with that, would you find three, four, five people around you and answer this question to get going this morning? Who are the people in your corner and why? Enjoy. The big idea for today is simply this, that we need others, that need is the imperative there, that we actually need other human beings in our lives. It's something that we know that we want, but that we don't always live out. We live in Los Angeles, which is a city at times with 10 million people in Los Angeles County, and yet it's an incredibly easy place at times to feel isolated or alone. Or if I'm going to connect with somebody, I might have to endure 78 minutes of traffic I want to get from Glendale to Santa Monica. It's a lot just to connect with people in this space. And then we just came out of a global pandemic where in many ways we were forced to be alone, confused, not sure of what was going on. And so I think more than ever, the conversations that I'm having with you all in this space is just your desire for community, your desire for relationships, your desire for other people, and how to foster that in a deeper and a more meaningful way. And so to talk about our need for others, we're going to talk about some things. We're going to talk about lions because, you know, they're amazing. And... Then we're going to talk about Jethro. And if we can talk about Jethro, then we're going to talk about people in your corner. And if we can talk about people in your corner, then Stranger Things season four, my friends. Anybody? All right. Season two and three, I think okay. One and four, I think spectacular. But that's just my humble opinion. Uh, Stranger Things, if we can talk about that, then we'll talk about choosing wisely. And if we can think about how we choose wisely the people in our life, then we can talk about the people who can actually challenge you. And if we can talk about the people who challenge you, then we can think about some active feedback. And if we can do some active feedback, then we can all think about the boardrooms of people in our lives. And if we can do that, then we can talk about who do we create and build with. And from there, we'll think about, can we be this person as well? I have three kids. That means in my household, at any given time, there are animal shows that could be on. I got a nine, a seven, a five-year-old. And this is the golden age of animal shows, my friends. Are there any animal lovers out there? Yes, right? I love me some good mammals in this world, and I love watching these shows when I was a kid on the Discovery Channel. But back in the day, you had to, like, wait for things to come out. Not anymore. You just have an endless supply of goodness and British narrators and 8K television and amazing things going on on the planet. And we're watching this animal show on Netflix the other day with my kids, and it's talking about lions. And I'm just incredibly blown away by their intense social dynamics and structures and the complexities of what it means to be in a lion pride. And it got me excited because of their social structures to think about our own social structures in this world. So are we ready to talk about some lions? Yes. 
In these prides of up to 40 different lions, they all understand their role, and they understand that their role is crucial for everybody else that's in the pride. That when they go hunting, the lions are even aware of the different sizes of lions that are there. Now, of course, this is a lion pride, so the ladies like do everything. It's a matriarchal society. They run shit. It gets done. The man is quite useless in this scenario. No offense. He just like fights off the hyenas. It's not right. It's not fair. But we'll get to that in the story. And so the ladies are out there hunting, and they know that the biggest, strongest lions, they're always at the front hiding where the wildebeest can't see them. And then, like, the quick lions who are lighter are in the back, and they're the ones who charge in so that they can scare the wildebeest so that the wildebeest run towards the stronger lions in the back. And they have this whole complex dynamic where they work together, and their success rate when they work together versus hunting alone is, like, 90% higher than other big cats because they've understood the power of cooperation and they've understood the power of working with one another. Now, even in this world where the ladies do all of the work, what often happens is the big male comes strutting in and doing his thing and he eats the food and makes everybody else wait. Now, some of you are like, that's some patriarchal bullshit, right? And others of you are like, that's the kind of zaddy that I want in my life. (laughs) To each their own. I want a big, strong, scruffy man who knows his place in this household. Some of you are like, time's up. We're doing the work around here. Go sit back there. Yeah. Go feed yourself. Learn to be a vegan. Yeah. Mm. We interpret the world in different ways. But in this complex social dynamic, they let the male feed first because they need him to be the strongest and meanest and baddest lion in town. So that when other males, Frankie's like, amen, come on. Oh, tell me about them. Yeah. Is this a prophecy, Lord? Are you prophesying over my life? Oh, I was praying for a bear and an otter, but I'm getting a lion. Oh. Lions and tigers and bears, oh my. Woo. I'm getting, who's the fun one now? Yeah. There we go. Oh, God. She's way funnier than me. It's not even close. That's not even close. So the other big lions come in, and they need this male to be strong. That's why he gets to eat first, because if not, the other lions will kill all of the cubs. So they understand, even though it's not fair, it's just how their system works. And the point is that everyone has a part in this system that we need others, that we need the complexity of our prides and our dynamics and the way that we live. And as human beings, we need one another as well. That you have something that I do not have. And I have something that you don't have. I have something that will make you stronger and better and healthier. And you have something that adds value and meaning to my life. It's why we talk about in a place like this, it's really not about the pastor. It's about the body of Christ. It's about you all being the healthiest, fullest versions of yourselves because we all have things to give one another. That when we're healed, that when we do the work, we change the world with each other. It's not just about coming into a place like this and sitting and listening. It's about active participation in our lives. So as we think about that, we are in the book of Exodus. And it's this interesting passage where up to this point, there's like a lot of God talking and God doing things. And all of a sudden, there's just this interesting dialogue between Moses' father-in-law and Moses about the complex social structures that are going on in Israel at that time. And really, it's just a story for ourselves of, hey, here's what it means to be human, and at times we need others in our lives. And so the story goes like this. 
So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. Anybody meet their father-in-law that way? They greeted each other and then went into the tent. That just feels weird. Moses told his father-in-law about everything the Lord had done to Pharaoh and the Egyptians for Israel's sake and about all the hardships they had met along the way and how the Lord had saved them. Jethro was delighted to hear about all the good things that Yahweh had done for Israel in rescuing them from the hand of the Egyptians. He said, praise be to God, Yahweh, the Lord, who rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and of Pharaoh and who rescued the people from the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all of the other gods, for he did this to those who had treated Israel arrogantly. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and other sacrifices to God, and Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat a meal with Moses' father-in-law in the presence of God. The next day, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people, and they stood around him from morning until evening. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, What is this you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning until evening? And Moses answered him, Because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me, and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. And Moses' father-in-law replied, what you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen to me and I will give you some advice and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. And teach them his decrees and instructions and show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. But select capable people from all the people, people who fear God, trustworthy people who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but to have them bring every difficult case to you, the simple cases they can decide themselves, that will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. And then finally, if you do this and God so commands, you will be able to stay in the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. Now, there's a lot going on there, but it's pretty simple in what's taking place. Is that there's at time in the story of Exodus, God's part. And we spend a lot of time talking about that. And in the story of Exodus, there's also a lot of conversation about what's our part. And this is a story about what's our part. And even for Moses, the exemplar, the great prophet of the Old Testament, the father-in-law is coming in and saying, you cannot do this alone. You need other people in your life. You cannot carry this burden by yourself. That what it means to be human is to invite other people to participate, to struggle, to live, to thrive with us. That's the story of greatness and goodness and what it means to be human. In fact, in the Bible, there are only two places where it says, this is not good. It says it in Genesis 2 when it says, it is not good for man to be alone. And then it says it here when it says, it is not good that you are doing it this way, right? You cannot live alone and you cannot lead alone. That who you are as a human being is you need other people in your life. And if we're going to think about that, we're going to think about it first of just having people in our corner. That we all need people in our corner. We all need people like Jethro because we need people who are wise, who are thoughtful, who've shown up before, who have something to say. They've been consistent. You actually value their voice. That this is a story of you need people like that in your life because it's just going to make you better. Now, I think about it in a bunch of different ways, but I think about the people who have been in my corner in my life, and I think about some common traits that I've seen through all of them. 
They're people that I respect. And I respect them because of the ways that they've consistently shown up before. That they're oftentimes people that I trust. I trust them with my life, and because of that, I feel safe with them, and I trust the words that are going to come out of their mouth, that even if they're difficult or encouraging, that their words are going to shape me and that they're going to change me. Now, I think we live in a culture sometimes where we allow everybody's voice to have equal weight in our, in our lives. Do not read the comment section. Just stay away from it at all costs. These people do not get the luxury of having an opinion in your life if they are speaking into the comment section. The people that I want to hear in my life, I invite them into my life to speak into it. And we allow everybody's opinion to shape us. This is not a story of letting everyone's opinion shape you. This is a story of saying, I need people in my corner who actually have something to say for me. And they've earned that trust. And because they've earned that trust, then I know that it's good advice and it's good wisdom for who I am. Now, that doesn't mean that you're not going to be open to other ideas and other opinions and other voices that are in this world. It just means that you are going to be thoughtful about who you let into your life. And we have different people who we let in at different seasons. For me, oftentimes, the people that I'm really looking for in my life right now are just people who've got a little bit more years on me, people who've got a little bit of experience. There's three guys in my life right now who are mentors, and they're about 30 years older than me, and the reason that I take advice from them is because all three of them, their kids who are grown adults now, love hanging out with them. That's the proof in the pudding for me. Your kids cannot wait to hang out with you again. That's what I want in my life. I want my life or my success or my health or my wealth or all of the things to happen. But at the end of the day, what do I want most? I want the relationships in my life to be whole and to be healthy. I want to know that one day my kids are like, man, I can't wait to go see mom and dad right now. And so I let those people speak into my life because they've proven it with their own lives. It's crazy when other people have like no experience in an area and they're trying to give you advice on something. You ever have those people, right? I uh, went to uh, Azusa Pacific University in the golden age of evangelicalism, right? In the early 2000s, when we were at our height, people, of trying to rule the world or whatever it is that we were doing. And um, it's funny and hurts all at the same time because it's a real thing. And at that time, right, we also like lived in the middle of purity culture. Joshua Harris was my other Bible. I kissed dating goodbye. I courted my wife, people, right? Yeah, that, she's laughing back there. It was gross. There's nothing I love more than reading my old journals to her. Uh, see, they're, they're bad. We read them sometimes, and we, we don't even laugh. We're just like, ugh, ugh, ugh. I'm like, how did I say this stuff to you? I think I've said it in here before, but I used to write in my journal about her, this is my beauty to rescue. God forgive them, for they know not what they do. It was gross. But I had a bunch of friends who were also in purity culture, so when I started dating Carissa, like any good repressed evangelical, all I wanted to do was make out with her, right? That was the gift that we had with one another. And my other purity culture friends, were like, because they were my accountability brothers, obviously, right? And we were in a discipleship group together. They would come to me and say, Corey, we just are really worried about you right now because you're making out with Carissa too much, right? <laughs> And we used to have a joke about, like, that I was always underwater. Like, they, they called me, like, scuba man because I would never come up for air because I just wanted to make out with her so much. It was, a whole, it was a whole thing that we had. And I remember finally sitting down with my D group because they're trying to keep me accountable. And I said, guys, here's the deal. If I wanted advice on how to be single, I would come and ask you. Yeah. 
But right now, I got this covered, you know? And I courted her, and we married. See, it all worked out. It all worked out. It was super gross. But there's different times in your life where you're going to allow different people in. Sometimes those are peers that you're going to let in, that they're going to be in your corner. Sometimes those are going to be mentors who you're going to let in be in your corner. But at the end of the day, you should always vet these people. Not everybody gets full access to your life. And so make up a list of things that you really value and care about. For me, my highest value, hands down, is mutuality. I want to know that this is a two-way street and that what I give, you're going to give in return. When I have relationships that do not participate in mutuality, I am not interested in them. I have plenty of best friends or friends, right? I want to know that we're doing this work together in whatever it is that we are doing. And so mutuality is something that I value particularly with my peers and particularly with my friends. Uh, It's why I love hanging out with Bean so much is that we have a mutuality that we share with one another, that we get to dream together in certain ways, that we get to build a world together in certain ways, that it's exciting every time. And what I love about my relationships, and I think about a lot of my best friends in my life, there's the other common theme. We can joke about the most ridiculous things that you can ever imagine. It can be light. And in the next breath, we can talk about the most serious stuff that's going on in our lives. We can cover the full spectrum. And so for me, that's my value. Do you know your value of what you need from people in your life about how they can be in your corner? So if we're going to allow others into our lives because we need others, then first we need to allow people in our corner and we need to think about who those people are. And if we can do that, then we can begin to think about how can these people challenge us? What I love about this story is this is a story of active feedback. The feedback is happening in real time. Moses, what you are doing is not good. You cannot sustain this. There is no way that you can handle all of these people's troubles on your own. And good people in your life who are in your corner will challenge you in all of the best ways. They are the people who will show up and they will celebrate you. And they will also speak into your life and saying, this is not good. If you don't have people in your life who cannot tell you that this is not good, get some better friends. You need those people. That is how we grow. We don't actually grow through like extreme balance. We grow because of obstacles. We grow because of difficulties. We evolve because of challenges. And so when those challenges, obstacles, and difficulties come, because they will, because we're human beings living in this reality, it's more of a reminder that you absolutely need other people around you. Because you're going to endure obstacles. You're going to endure challenges. And do you want to do it alone or do you want to do it with other people? And active feedback gives us the ability to be proactive of things in our lives. That we don't have to live in a world where we're constantly reacting to the challenges that we have. But hopefully we have people in our lives who have wisdom and who we trust. And they can see and speak into things way ahead of where you're at. And for me, I think of all the people that are in my life who provide that type of active feedback. Who can tell me in real time, Corey, what you're doing is not good. Who love me. Who, when they challenge me, that there's, that was a nice voice crack there. Yeah, I'm bugging a puberty. Um, That when they challenge me, they understand fully who I am and how I work and that they're creating a sense of safety and love around me. And that's why they're able to speak into my life in different ways. My wife is the extreme example of that for me. She, her gift in the world is she celebrates people. If you've ever just received a hug from my wife, you know what I'm talking about. That when she sees you, it's like you are Beyonce walking out on stage. It's so incredible. Sometimes I look at my kids and they're like, oh, mom, here we go again. I'm like, oh, mom, here we go again. I am so sorry that you are so loved. (laughs) 
I am so sorry that she celebrates everything that you do genuinely, that when she wakes up in the morning, it's like you are the gift of God in her life and that she is filled with joy and light for you. Would you like neglect from a mother? Because that's what I had. Unbelievable. Yeah. On the same token, are my kids going to be successful? Probably not because they're too loved. And we know... We all know that billionaires have mommy and daddy issues. That's why you're working so hard, to fill the hole in your heart that can never be filled because your parents did a bad job. So what do you want? Wealth or health? You got to pick. You can't have both. It's greedy. It's too much. Everybody can't have everything. Okay, calm down, Johnny. Let me go. And so we think about the people in our lives that can challenge us. So do you have people that are in your corner, and do you have people in your life who can challenge you? And if you have those people, then you can find people in your life who you can create and build with. I love the specificity that happens in this story. Jethro is somebody who Moses trusts. Jethro is somebody who can challenge Moses. And then he gives them like a strategic, concrete game plan about how to get help. Those are people that have wisdom in your life. Those are the people that I go look to. Not just people who give me fluff and, uh, you know, I was going to say emotions if it's bad. It's not bad. It's a good thing. But when it's just not concrete and it doesn't give you a game plan for how to move forward. One of the things I loved about the 12-step world and still love about the 12-step world is there is a game plan for health. That when you practice community, when you invite people into your corner, and when you practice rigorous honesty and allow people to challenge you, there is a game plan for how you move forward and how you grow as a human being. And so when you think about the people in your life, look for people that have wisdom and also look for people that they've done something as well that they have specific, strategic, concrete examples about how you can move forward. That's the gift of humanity and the wisdom that we share with one another. Because the reality of it, people, is we're all just making this thing up. There was no playbook for your life. There's no, like, uh, you know, book for dummies on Corey's life. All there is is me figuring it out, and we figure it out on our own, but we figure it out on our own with the people around us. And so think about who are the people that are the boardroom of your life. And for me, I just start small. Who are the five people in my life who make up that boardroom? Who are these five people that I come to for wisdom? Who are these five people that I know that they're in my corner, right? That they're ride or die kind of people, that they would die for me and I would die for them. And I'm serious about that. And I just start there. It's a bigger group, but do I begin with that list and say, man, I just want to begin with a place of gratitude for each of these people and what they represent in my life. And the great thing about these people and the proximity that I have to them is that I so know who they are that sometimes I'm not even around them, but I can think about their voice in my life. Praise God for beans in my life. An incredible optimist. I'm just buttering your toast today. I didn't even plan to do this, but you are welcome. Um, I know the optimistic voice that she has in, her, in, in my life. I know how she sees things, the lightness that is to her. I'm like so pragmatic. I'm an Enneagram 3. I want to get into strategy and Excel sheets so fast. And she's just like, yes, we can do this together, right? It's just light. That is totally not how she does it. But it is, uh, it is light and it is positive and it's filled with optimism. I know the other people in my life who are incredibly pragmatic and that they challenge me and they say you know, different, more difficult words and how they come across things. I know who my wife is. I know who my best friend is who lives in Seattle and that he's known me since I was 19 years old and I know that my name will always be safe with him. And because my name will always be safe with him, he can see me and speak into things that I can't imagine. Um, I think about my nephew Jordan, uh, somebody who's younger than me and he gets to speak into my life because I'm just so incredibly proud of him and proud of who he's become and proud of the ways that he's building his life, and that's a big deal for me, that I'm surrounded by people who are older than me, 
who are my peers, who I love and have intimate relationship with, people who are younger than me, and they've all deserved a spot in the boardroom of my life. So who are those people for you? Who is going to in your corner right now? Who has the ability to challenge you? Because they have the ability to do those things, who gets the luxury and the gift of dreaming and building with you? And now, Abby, this is the thing that I really care about. I want to be dreamers and builders and creators in this room. I want you to be surrounded by five people who are not just burning the house down all of the time. Be angry. Be frustrated. There are things to be angry and frustrated at. Deconstruct, because there's things that you need to deconstruct. But if that is all that you're doing with your friends, get better friends. Get friends who are building something and dreaming in this world, who are putting things together. You will always find friends who can shit on things. It is way harder to find friends who can build things that builds your life, that builds this world, that builds a church, that tells a bigger story of God together. That's the thing that I want to do in this place. I want to be people who are committed to creating and building a better world together, not just critiquing and tearing one down. And I'm grateful that we get to do that work with one another. Would you find those same three or four people around you and answer this question? Who can you reach out to for support or to support? Enjoy. Thanks for listening to the New Abbey Podcast. For more information, visit us on the web at www.newabbey.org.